Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis how Abraham was a good businessman and getting substance and souls to leave Haran with his caravan. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to everybody this morning. And, uh, okay, so if you turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 12, we'll get ready here to to start Genesis 12. And um, first of all, let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning because you are our Father. We are your children. Lord, we need to be taught by our Father this morning. So teach us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 12, verse 5. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's wife, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sychem, unto the plain of Moreh, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Now, what we see here, we're now in a place now where Abram is leaving Haran. And as he's leaving, we see in verse 5 a description of this caravan that Abram has. This is Abram's caravan. He gets the caravan on the move. We see in verse 5, there are certain, certain ones that are pointed out to us in this caravan. There's Sarai, his wife. There's Lot, his brother's son and all of the substance that they had gathered in Haran. And then it's spoken about, which we didn't see before, souls that they had gotten in Haran. And it says they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and then we're told into the land of Canaan they came. So we see here his caravan, and we see here something that started in the life of Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, that we didn't see before. And this is... This is not the same picture that we have when, Ere, when he, Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees. But now we see Abraham has been blessed by God in Haran. And we see that Abraham has, has been a good businessman. Can you imagine that? Jewish person being good businessman? What a surprise. Anyway, so here he is. And we read that now he's acquired in Haran. And he's leaving with what's called substance that they had gathered. And not just that, but souls. And all of this, Abraham has gotten in Haran. And once Abraham moved out of Ur of the Chaldees, God blessed Abraham. And he, he has a lot now. He's got possessions. He's got servants. And to, to see what kind of a person Abraham is or was, let's consider what Abraham might have done, what he might have said. But he didn't do this. But he might have said, you know, at this point in Abraham's life, he might have just said, you know, I've done pretty well for myself in Haran. Haran's been pretty good, pretty good to me. And look how many possessions and servants that I've gotten here since I got to Haran. Haran's good. If I just stayed in Haran, I could get more possessions. I could get more servants. I've really just begun. And God said that, after all, you say, God said he'd bless me, and look, I'm blessed in Haran. And God said he'd make my name great, and... Everyone knows about me here in Haran. 
and my name will just get greater and greater if I just stay here. And who needs Canaan? He could have said that. Who needs Canaan? Heron, 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 better. I think I'll just settle down here in Heron and just make a life for myself here in Heron. Why not? Canaan, I don't know Canaan. It's unknown. Heron, I know. Heron is good. Let's just all stay here in Heron. He could have said that. That would have been a big temptation for Abraham because he could have just stopped there in Heron. And we can see that with all Abraham had gotten in Heron, that Abraham, he could have done that, but he did. Abraham did what the Lord Jesus Christ said and talked about in the parable of the, of the sower and the seed, in the parable of the word of God, as the different types of soil were being the different kinds of hearts of men were described. If you like, turn to that. In Luke chapter 8, verse 14 and 15, we're going to zero in on the last two types of soil here in Luke 8, 14 through 15, and think about Abraham. And so here we see, it says here, that speaking about, and it's interesting how it starts about talking about the word of God, where it starts off in Luke 8, 14, it says, that which fell. It just fell. That which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard, they go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. We see here that Isn't that a good description of the Word of God? It just fell. It fell. You know, we read the Bible, and all of a sudden there's a verse that just, or a passage that just seems to stand out, and it just seems to just light up for us. It's just right there. And what is that? That's the Word of God that's been sent to us. That's the Word of God that is for us. That's God sending the Word. It falls, and it happens to meet a need in our lives. And it's just just like some seed just fell onto our hearts. And the, the issue here in this parable, is not if the word good or bad is the seed good or bad. The issue here is the, is the ground. And so it's really an issue of whether or not the word of God is going to change a person depends on the heart of the person that the word falls on. And Abraham's heart was not full of thorns. And so when the word came to Abraham, if it was full of thorns, one type of thorn that's described in this parable is the cares of this life, the cares of this life. And so Abraham might have said, but he didn't, but he might have said, you know, I need to stay here in here. I need to stay because I'm an old man. Sarah is not exactly a spring chicken. And we have to think about our future. And we need to ensure that we're going to be well taken care of. And going off to some unknown place of Canaan, that doesn't sound safe. That doesn't sound secure. And so what would have happened? The cares of this life would have choked the word of God, and when God said to Abraham, go, he wouldn't go. He would have stayed there in Haran and not obeyed God to go to Canaan. So another type of thorn that's described in this parable is called the riches of this life. And so Abraham, if he would have said, you know, I came to Haran with nothing, and now look at me, I've got possessions, I've got servants, I've, uh, I've only just begun. I can make millions, he might have said. It reminds me of a Jewish friend of mine who once told me, that he was an Israeli, he lived in Israel, and he had come to the U.S., he said, because he said in Israel was too small for him. He could only make millions in Israel. 
I mean, yeah, but in the U.S. he could make billions, he said. And when he said billions, he got right in my face and he said billions like that. You know, He ended up losing it all here in the U.S. But through that, he found the Lord Jesus Christ. So he ended up really gaining a greater treasure. But if Abraham had said that he only had just begun to make his fortune in Haran and that he decided to stay in Haran so he could gain more riches, then it would have been the riches of this life choking the word of God that said to Abraham, go, and Abraham would have stayed there in Haran and not obeyed God, not gone unto Canaan. And then the last type of thorns that are spoken about are the pleasures of this life, the pleasures of this life. So if Abraham would have said, look, I have servants, they wait on me hand and foot, if I want the pleasure of sleeping in all day, I say to the servants, take care of everything, it's done. If I want the pleasure of music, I call the musician servants, they entertain me. If I want the pleasure of certain foods, I call the cook servants, and they do that. And if I just stay here in Heron, I can build on this, I can make an, e- an even greater life of just total pleasure, see? And if Abraham had said that, he, that he had just begun to build this life of pleasure in Heron, then, then what would have happened? The pleasures of this life would have choked the word to Abraham, say, go to Canaan, and he wouldn't have done that. He would have stayed in Haran. But that was not Abraham. That was not Abraham. Abraham had cleaned out all those thorns in his heart of the cares of this life and the riches of this life and the pleasures of this life. And now he all was in his mind and in his ears was that God told me to go. And he wasn't going to be held back. And so he didn't let the so-called good life hold him back but, and prevent him from obeying God. He just went forward. And notice in verse 5 how there's a process there that's described. It says about Abraham that you know, he's leaving the good life of Haran. It's described like this. Verse 5. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And then it says, into the land of Canaan they came. Now, those words tell a lot, because first we read, they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and that expresses Abraham's intention, or their intention, to follow God. So Abraham set out to go into Canaan. That was what he wanted to do. He started off to follow God, to go into Canaan. And then, separate from Abraham's start, we read, and into the land of Canaan they came. So those words express that Abraham followed through with his intention that what he started out to do in following God, he did, and he went to Canaan. So just like Abraham went forth to go into Canaan with the first part of that verse, the intention, many people are like Abraham with a good start in the Christian life. They really want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. They start out well. It looks like they're going to go on, but they don't. And they stop, and there is no second part of the verse for them. But a certain hardness of life comes in, a temptation. And they're not like Abraham. And they don't have the into the land of Canaan they came. They give up. I told you about the Hasidic rabbi who started off to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But then when he saw that it was going to cost him his wife and his house and his children and his family and his job, and his congregation, he gave up. That is the heart described by the second group of the parable that we didn't read in Luke 8. If you still have that open to there, Luke 8, verse 13, 
where it describes this group as they on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy and these have no root which for a while believe and in time and temptation fall away. Those are the hearts described on the rocky ground where they hear the word of God, they receive it with joy, but they don't have any root. And so they've really not counted the costs. They really not have deeply considered and come to the conclusion, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And then it says about them that for a while believe. And so these are the for a while believers, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But not Abraham. That's not verse 5 that says, they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, into the land of Canaan they came. Now you see in verse 6, it describes for us where Abraham traveled when he came into Canaan. It says, and he, Abraham passed through the land unto the place of Sychem, unto the plain of Moray. And then it says, and the Canaanite was then in the land. You know, that's an important statement at the end of verse 6. The Canaanite was then in the land. We have to ask a question. Why did God put that bit of information there? The Canaanite was in the land. I mean, that phrase was not there to inform us that the Canaanite was in Canaan. I mean, what, you know, what do you expect to be in Canaan? You know, Chinese? I mean, you know, it's like a Canaanite was in the land. That's not there for our information. <laughs> the phrase is not there for that purpose. So why is the phrase there? So why did he say that? The Canaanite was there in the, then in the land. Well, there's more to that phrase than just telling us that the Canaanite was in Canaan. So what's God trying to say to us? What's he trying to teach us? What's he trying to point out by that last part of that verse where it says, and the Canaanite was then in the land? To see the point, we have to see the first part of the verse and the last part together. So it would go like this. And Abraham passed through the land, and the Canaanite was in the land. See, the point is that the Canaanite is now going to be privileged. Why? Because he's going to be able to see firsthand what does a real follower of God look like. And that's Abraham. And so God brought this man Abraham into Canaan for the Canaanite, for the benefit of the Canaanite. And because wherever Abraham went, he influenced people toward God. He influenced people. Dad, today you talked about the parable where the Lord Jesus compared our hearts to soil and the Bible to seed. Whenever I think about gardening, I always think of mom. She's the best gardener I know. So what challenge does that parable have for us as believers? Well, that's right, David. Mom is a great gardener, and that comes from her upbringing because every year in Ohio, her family had a garden and she helped her parents. And she's an expert gardener. She's a really good gardener. And we had the great privilege uh, in, in watching her year by year go out and prepare the garden. And she's a perfectionist with the garden. And one thing that was absolutely amazing to me about the gardens that she would make is that I always had, I guess I really never appreciated what soil is. I mean, soil is, to me, it was dirt. It was just something, it made you dirty, it was dusty, you had to work to keep the weeds out of it. But to watch her at work and to see what she does with this soil was just 
absolutely amazing how she could make this soil bring a, bring to our table tomatoes and zucchinis and eggplants and onions and kale and beans and pea pods and cucumbers. And it all came from the soil. It all came from the ground as we watched her work at it. So the first thing that we saw was so impressive was the capability of the soil. As you know, I was raised in Los Angeles and we didn't have gardens. We had Vaughn's grocery store. And so, you know, we, we never got the chance really to see this happen. Really, the soil has a tremendous capability to bring all of these different wonderful foods to our table. And what that shows us is that when the Lord Jesus Christ made the analogy of the soil to our hearts, what we really can see from this is that our hearts have a tremendous capability. Just like the soil can bring all these different fruits and different foods out of it, our hearts have the capability to do that as well. But what he was showing here is that our hearts have to be worked. But this capability of our hearts is really what's brought out in Proverbs 23, verse 7, where it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. In other words, the the heart being the soil, what we put into the heart is what we think of. And what we think of actually gets planted in the heart, in the soil of our hearts. And what comes out of our hearts is the fruit. In other words, it's what we become. If we think of, of robbing banks, then eventually we're going to be a bank robber. That's going to be the fruit that comes out of it. If we think about how to do good to others, then we will be a good person. If we think about being selfish, we will do selfish acts. So the heart is like soil, and then it, with a tremendous capability, but... That soil does not bring anything until, as we watched mom at work, until seed is brought to it. Seed has to be worked into it. And that seed has to be worked into the soil. It has to be planted and not only planted, but then the seed has to be cared for in the sense that there cannot be competition from weeds. And so mom goes out every evening and inspects the ground that she's planted the seed in to make sure that there's no weeds that are going to come up and are, and are going to choke the seed. And she pulls those weeds out. She goes out and makes sure that there's no skunk that's come around looking for grubs and has dug up the seed or the seedlings. And unfortunately, that's happened. And so there's this tremendous hard work. And then she goes out and makes sure that that the seed has enough water and it's not getting too much water, that it's flooding it, and that the soil has enough drainage so that there's not any pools of water, but yet it doesn't drain too fast so that the water stays in it. And sometimes if we get really hot summers here in San Diego, and so we have to, and and then she runs down to the store and buys shade cloth and hooks up the the poles and shades the ground so that everything is done with hard work to make the seed bring forth. And that is an illustration of Proverbs 4.23, where it says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. In other words, 
just as mom puts all of that work into the soil and making sure that the seed is is going to have the best chance to really bring forth the fruit, that's a lot of work. And so it is with our hearts. We're called upon to put work into our hearts, to keep our hearts with all diligence. That's, that's another word of saying that's a lot of work. With all diligence means that's a lot of work. Keep thy heart with all diligence. It's like the soil. Work that soil with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. In other words, out of it will determine life for us. It will make decisions. We'll choose the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we'll have life because he is the life. Or from our heart and what we put in our heart, if we put pornography in our heart, if we put evil ways in our heart, then we'll say, no, we don't want the Lord Jesus Christ. And then a person who does that will choose death. So out of the heart are the issues of life or the issues of life and death. So it's very, very important that the seed is brought into the heart and that the heart is then kept in the best way. Now, the next part we see is that it's a lot of hard work to bring these two together, the soil and the seed. The mom goes down, she buys these seeds at the, at the, the nursery, and she plants the seed in the soil. That's a lot of hard work. And there's steps in there. Here's the soil. It's been prepared, and she takes a lot of time to get the soil sometimes that we've actually had to sift the soil, and that's a lot of work, to get all the weeds out of it and all the stones out of it so it's, it's nice topsoil ready, and that's a lot of work. And then we have to, then she goes down and gets the seed and she plants it, but there is this coming together and there is this process of bringing the two together. And we see this illustrated for us in Second Chronicles 2020, where it says, and they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God. So shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. See, there's two steps in there. There's hear and believe. This is also brought out in Isaiah 6.10, where it says that they would hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Four steps there. Hear Understand with the heart or meditate on with the heart, convert and be healed. Four steps. So the first part is what good is the seed without the soil? So first of all, there is to hear. That's like hearing the word of God is to bring the seed near to the soil. Second is to then, as it says, to believe or to understand with the heart, or to meditate. That's the planting what we heard with our ears into the heart. The next part is to let the seed do its work. In other words, to respond to the seed, to respond to the Word of God, which is called in Isaiah 6.10, convert. In other words, repent. In other words, make an about face. In other words, let the Word of God put its finger on the areas of our lives that we know and God knows 
are not right, and let the Word of God put the finger on that. Let the Word of God be the light that shines on it and respond and say, I forsake that evil. I turn from that. I will stop doing that. That's what it means to convert. And then the last step in Isaiah 6.10 is to be healed. And God does that. God sees our efforts to bring the Word of God into our ears, to listen to it, to plant it within our hearts, to think about it, to meditate on it, to let the Word of God show us where we're wrong, convert, and then he heals us. Four steps. Hear Isaiah 6.10 with their ears. Understand with their heart. Convert and be healed. Because otherwise, we ask the question, what purpose is the Bible? What purpose is seed unless it's combined with soil? What purpose is the Bible and as, as the Word of God unless we plant it within our hearts and let it do its wonderful, life-changing work to root out the weeds and then to bring forth fruit to God, the fruit of doing God's work, the fruit of loving God, the fruit of loving our neighbors, the fruit of peace and all the fruits of the Spirit. That comes from the seed of the Word of God, which only comes as we plant the Word in our hearts See the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the subject of the word, and let the fruit come out. Thank you for joining us today. Remember that all of the Friendship with God messages are available for free listening and free download at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find the podcast of Friendship with God on iTunes. Just type in Tom Cantor or Friendship with God and subscribe to the Friendship with God podcast. You'll hear all of your favorite messages from Tom Cantor there for free listening and download on iTunes. Now, we also have a great opportunity for you to work with Israel Restoration Ministries as a volunteer missionary taking the gospel to Jewish people in your neighborhood or area or maybe even a friend that you know. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. So if you're interested in reaching lost Jewish people, call us today at 1-800-247-3051 to give a gift to a lost Jewish person or to be a part of our volunteer team or go to friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org or 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for listening and join us tomorrow.